you know, we have a brand new sponsor, and it's Get the Tea. They are an online herbal tea and supplement company that is family-owned and operated. You're not going to find their high-quality products in the stores. You will find it at GetTheTea.com. And for the month of November, they're having their annual Buy Two, Get One Free on all of their herbal cleansing teas, natural peppermint, pomegranate, or plus senna, just in time for the holidays. Now, we know that we all like to eat the goodies for the holidays, so let's make sure to cleanse our bodies at the same time. Not only do they carry amazing cleansing teas, they also carry unique formulated supplements for your heart, eyes, healthy blood sugar levels, immune support, and joints. Check them out. Go to GetTheTea.com. You'll get an extra 10% off of your order exclusively for our listeners when you enter the code CRN. That's GetTheTea.com and enter code CRN. You know, I'm just so thrilled. I want to thank uh, the people, wonderful people throughout the country that are adding this program to their lineup. Very happy to hear about that. We have a new affiliate coming on board soon, which I cannot wait to announce. But we also want to welcome people in Ventura and Oxnard, California, also in uh, Santa Barbara, Galita, Montecito. I want to say hi to Prince Harry. I know you're listening. You conservative you. On a 990 there in Santa Barbara, KTMS. I used to work there back in the day. Back in the day, man, it was a different world. It was back when I used to hang out with the... I used to go and hang out at UCSB quite a bit. UCSB is the university out in Isla Vista. In fact, I think I had a lot of friends that lived out there and went to college there. And they they would sponsor a lot of environmental... We had Earth Day. And and as I mentioned in the first segment, you know, at, at my roots, I'm an environmentalist. I mean, I grew up like you watching the Indian, remember the commercial they had on TV where they have the Indian, he gets off his horse, He's, I think he's on the 101, uh, and he's picking up trash, and you see a tear in his eye. And that moved me as a little kid. I, I saw that, and I, I always felt such, like, we, we took this country, and then we turned it into a garbage heap. And that stuck with me as a kid, and I like a lot of people, I'm sure it was propaganda or whatever you can say about it now, but it hit home because I could see the evidence. And, and the other thing, too, and I, and, and I don't mention it enough, but tied to that is that in my youth, I actually was raised in a Spanish home. My stepfather was a, uh, he was from Zacatecas, couldn't speak very good English either. And his, I, I joke about this later, but during the 70s, uh, we were basically the Harriet Tubman of the Underground Railroad, and a lot of my stepfather's relatives, cousins, uncles, brothers, grandmother, aunt, they would come from Mexico, and they would stay with us in Southgate, California, for a couple of days, and then they would shoot up to Toppenish, Washington. And Toppenish, Washington is home to a lot of apple farms and cherry farms, and they would they would get work up there as migrant workers. Very decent people, and they all had had one thing in common. They had come from a of a very impoverished country, and I remember spending time in Mexico as a young boy, and it was impoverished. They had large they had streets that weren't paved with anything. It was sand. You know what kids did for fun? 
they would roll tires down the street and put paper inside the tires and set them on fire and roll them down the street. I mean, it was like I, I felt like I, I was in a third world country. So I don't blame a lot of these people for trying to come into this country. This country is like the Beverly Hills, man. If I was living in Mexico and I wanted a better life and I knew my kids weren't going to get a good education and probably could get tuberculosis, you know, I'd let them in. I mean, I'd, I'd want to make make a, a change. But unfortunately, uh, if it's unfettered, then we all have problems. And that's that's where you draw the line. You know, there's there's such a thing as being compassionate and wanting to be helpful to other people. But it has to be regulated. It has to be monitored. It has to be controlled so that the bad apples don't sneak in and try to fool, fool you into believing that they need, you know, these, these middle-aged men that show up with nobody else. Really? Who's dependent on you? So my point is, is that I know from where I speak. I know the experience of the person who is the immigrant. They came through my house. I broke bread with them or tortillas. I know how they are. They're very good people. They're hard workers. Uh, my gardener, uh, he, he barely speaks a lick of English, and I barely speak a lick of Spanish. And it frustrates me. I should learn Spanish, and he should learn English. But the guy shows up every week at Wednesday, and he mows my lawn. And I'm grateful for that because it's Florida, and it's hot as hell. And he makes my house look good. And I appreciate that, and I pay him well for it. And again, you know, because I know that he's going to show up and he's reliable and, and I appreciate that. So this isn't coming from, you know, a racist perspective. This is coming from a compassionate perspective. You want to come into this country, you got to play by the rules. But Biden has made it so that you don't have to play by the rules. Mayorkas has made it so that you don't have to play by the rules. They've decided to just let anybody who wants to walk in, in. Then they bust them somewhere. They tell them not to work. That's the most egregious thing you can do to a human being is say, we'll take care of you, but you're not allowed to take care of yourself. It's demeaning to a man. Men want to support their families. It's innate in them. So when they come to this country and you say, okay, you're here, and in about six months we're going to call you and you're going to go to court and we're going to determine whether you're allowed to stay here. And, but in the meantime, don't get a job. We'll give you a little bit of money so that you'll be able to feed your family. And we'll probably put you up at a hotel somewhere. How, how is that helping them? I mean, it'd be easier just to let them in and let them go find their own work, which is what a lot of them do anyway. And then you never see them in court. And now our system is so overwhelmed, we're never going to be able to track the people who came here for nefarious reasons. We're never going to be able to do it. How are you going to find somebody that's not registered or they used a false name? You can't. You might find them when you arrest them because you find them committing crimes 10 years later, like rape or murder, or they're in a gang, or they're in a shootout, or they're caught selling fentanyl to your kid. But this has been created by Biden. So... You know, we're having our border problem, and I'm almost sure that it's for political reasons. In fact, I'm not going to be naive. I know this is for political reasons. This is to sway all future elections. This is what they have in mind. And the Democrats that are for this open border policy are contributing to the delinquency of a country.
in my humble opinion. So, anyway, I got another article that I read today. Alex Berenson used to write for the New York Times, and I'm not that familiar with his work. But he says there's a new, uh, he's written a new book, and it has to do with the fact that we're not having enough babies. And I want to get to all that in a minute, but I think what we're going to do, we're going to try something different. We're going to bring in Reverend Jim Harden. Reverend, we're on the air right now. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but can you hear me all right? Let me see if we can get him in. Oh, hey, Jim. Uh, We just happened to be in the middle of a segment, and I'm glad you called because you're actually up for the next segment. So we'll do a setup. (laughs) Is that all right? Reverend Jim Harden is joining me. He is the CEO of Compass Care, which is a pro-life pregnancy operation. They give women comfort, safe haven, so that they can make the right and proper decisions about family life planning. And, Jim, I was just talking about this new book that's out. Uh, by Alex Berenson, who used to work for New York Times. And he says that we have a birth crisis in our country and in in our world. Mm -hmm. There are not enough Mm -hmm. babies uh, being born. And the reason for this is because mothers have decided that they want to have careers and society, culture, is promoting that people shouldn't have children. And I know that's something that is at the heart of of the abortion industry is that they there's so much profits to be made. There's such an influential force and they play a big role in the cultural perception that wait until you're older to have kids. And then women get older and they don't want to have kids and then they don't have kids. And so in a minute, because you're a reverend and you're also deeply involved, I want to talk to you about that, but how are you doing? And thanks for joining the program. How are you doing, sir? Thank you very much. Yeah, we're, we're doing well. Um, we're, expanding services into New York City, Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens. And, and and that's just part of the problem that we're experiencing in New York as well as the rest of the country is uh, women are being uh, told that uh, having children, having a family, it should be secondary to a career, to a standard of living, to to anything else. And, uh, you know, there's the, there's an old poem that says the, that goes something like the hand that rocks the cradle, moves the world. Right. And we've forgotten that the most powerful, the most influential role in the history of mankind is a mother. Hang on that, because that's a good place to pick up. we got to take a little bit of a break because of the time constraints. Reverend Jim Harden, stand by. Welcome back to the program, Speaking Out America. I'm Jim Watkins, and joining me on the uh, listener line is Reverend Jim Harden. He's the CEO of Compass Care. You can check them out, compasscarecommunity.com. And it's a wonderful organization because it gives young women or women that are pregnant real-life choices so that they don't negatively impact and they're making the right choice. And we were talking about the declining birth rates, and we'll get to that in just a second. Jim, again, welcome back to the program. And you were talking about some of the initiatives right now that you're working on in, in bringing uh, pregnancy centers to places like the Bronx and New York. Why that area? I, I wanted to ask, well, is it because of the influx of immigration? Well, there's there's so much going on right now in New York City. New York City happens to be the abortion capital of the globe, and not just in terms of 
the sheer number of abortions that happen there. Like, for example, in Brooklyn, uh, there's nearly 13,000 abortions that happen in the county of Brooklyn every single year. That's more abortions than any other county in America. It is the the heart of the abortion capital. And it's also the abortion capital because it's the headquarters, New York City is the headquarters of the largest abortion business on the globe, Planned Parenthood. Uh, it's also the, the abortion capital because a lot of the policies na- na- that are uh, abortion policies that come out nationwide in, you know, are initiated out of New York City, um, as well as the policies that uh, pro-abortion politicians use to hold these third world countries hostage to uh, financial aid. You've got to implement these, you know, uh, essentially uh, population control policies. You've got to make these abortion-causing contraceptive devices and abortion itself available to your population if you're going to get this humanitarian aid. And, and uh, you know, we're talking about countries in Africa, countries, uh, you know, all across all across the globe. But we're exporting as as as, as America. The, these policies, these these population control policies, and we're using abortion to control, and ostensibly, the population, and uh, that's what China did. China tried tried to in, in, you know engage in this one child policy after the Cultural Revolution, and now nobody in China wants to have babies, and China has, has is facing a demographic winter. I mean, their average age went up one full year over the course of just two years. Now think about that. The average pop, the average age of a population increasing one whole year is, is uh, 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 statistically unheard of, okay? So to move the, the, the average, average age of an entire population of millions and millions of people up one full year in just two years means that people are, uh, are not having babies, okay? It means that the, 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 and the same thing goes with the United States. Our fertility rate is down to 1.7, which means we're not replacing ourselves. It's got to be at 2.1 in order to replace uh, the population. There is no sustainable economic model for a declining population base. There you know, isn't one. Also, it's interesting in, in referencing Allison Berenson's book. He says the impact socially on kids that are born, they have less friends, they have less siblings. Mm-hmm. And so their worldview is going to be affected by that phenomena. When did that birth it rate, really negative birth rate, start to occur? Do you know? Oh, we started uh, the United States and, and the modern West. Their our birth rate started drifting down, probably in the 1960s. Um, you know, with with the baby boomers, yeah, the smallest generation that was ever born to uh, was 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 born to the to the to the, to the largest generation, baby boomers. Gen Xers are the smallest generation in the United States. Um, and and so, what 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 message does that send to your children? Well, you know. Uh, there's more. There's things that are more important than have than uh, than than having a brother or a sister. There, you know, it, it tells them that it's okay to think first and only about yourself. It tells them that uh, having a child is an act of self-actualization for the parents instead of self-sacrifice on behalf of the children. It tells them that materialism and individualism uh, should be your philosophy, and that and that your your deciding factor for your filter for for right and wrong. It should be simply pleasure versus pain, maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain. That is not a healthy way to move a society forward. In fact, it's no way to move a society forward. So it's a way to undermine the moral fabric of society because if, unless there's a place to, to understand the value of suffering and self-sacrifice on behalf of another human being, then people are going to stop getting married and they're going to stop having children. And that's exactly what's happening all across this country and the modern West. 
the most important, valuable life skills that you'll ever have come through being a parent and being a child with other siblings. It, it's, uh, I'm right. sure there are thousands of scientific studies that show that those are the best conditions by which to raise selfless people who grow up being productive members of society. They're producers. They're not takers, people who are dependent right. on the government. Uh, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, the richest man or a couple of the richest men in the world, and I'm talking specifically about Bill Gates, he's gone on the record as saying he is for depopulation. Now, he thinks he is, I didn't realize this, but Bill Gates' dad actually worked for Planned Parenthood. I didn't know that. Oh. And so he grew up in this environment. And I know a lot of people, you know, like out in Santa Barbara, they have an annual book fair that is sponsored by Planned Parenthood. you got all these people walking around. It's a big showground out there. Every year, they people come from all, you know, book lovers, right? And everybody's walking around with little Planned Parenthood bags, and they're raising money for this, thinking that they're they're doing something virtuous. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. And Planned Parenthood is is basically being used as a de facto government agency. They get a half half a billion dollars a year, two thirds of a billion dollars a year in taxpayer funding, and they're being used for an agent of social reengineering. They're they're they're, they're using abortion. As well as uh, transgender, you know, hormone treatments and therapies uh, to essentially destroy people's ability to have healthy relationships and to and to have healthy children. But see, they would uh, this, argue they would argue that Planned Parenthood is providing a safe environment for women and it's preventing uh, poverty in you know countries like India because of overpopulation. What's your counter to that? Planned Parenthood engages in uh, violations of the third Nuremberg provision um, in the Nuremberg Code. They're they're not actually saving women from, you know, from you know any kind of health crisis. They're actually creating health crises. They're not, um, you know, serving women or, or saving them from from poverty at, at all. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, um, th- there's. There's structures in place, cultural structures in place that keep people in poverty in places like India. And the, the cultural structures that are in place are dehumanizing. Um, like, for example, the, a, a Hindu belief relative to karma is that if somebody's experiencing poverty, it's because they deserve it. And you shouldn't help them out of it because then, then you're, you're standing in the way of karma. That's an inhumane understanding of the, of, of the way uh, of what a human being is. Um, as Christians, we understand that we need to lift people up. We need to we need to protect the weak and the vulnerable. And until Christianity uh, is is matriculated out into these cultures, and we start to see a, re- a rehumanization of of culture, you're still going to see these um, th- these mass injustices taking place and even encouraged in places like India. So if, uh, you know the the solution is not death. The solution is reformation. Mm. And that's the longer solution. It takes longer to achieve mm-hmm. over time, but it eventually does. It becomes a more permanent fixture in the culture that you treat women with respect, that you don't sexualize them like they do in, in well, everywhere. But, yeah, all right, good good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, and we've got about two minutes left. So there's now this story with Lewiston, Maine, and the shooter, and how the media and the government is sort of spinning this. How does this How does this? You brought it up. It was a point you wanted to talk about. Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the root cause for what's going on in, in all these mass shootings is the same uh, kind of 
social disease that we're experiencing that's, that's driving abortion. Abortion and these mass shootings represent a fundamental misunderstanding about what it means to be human under God. And, you know, we're teaching our children for generations that they're accidentally a little smarter than the animals, and we're surprised when we treat each other as such. What we need to be doing is helping people understand the truth that we're all made just a little lower than God. And then, of course, the level of dignity will, will be will, – commensurate level of dignity, dignity will be afforded them. And so I think, look, we, there's a – I've got a prediction that the political left is going to continue to, to uh, uh, abort, further abuse the public by using this, these kinds of attacks to manipulate the emotions of the masses uh, for political gain. You know, so <clears throat> what, what you're going to see happen is the left is going to try to distance themselves from the transsexual gunmen in Tennessee – um, using this. They're going to try to shame and vilify their political opponents ahead of the 2024 election. They're going to try to connect uh, this this most recent shooter to uh, ideology of, of conservatives and Christians. They're going to leverage the tragedy to push an aggressive gun control narrative. And like, like cowards hiding behind the tragedy, they did nothing to stop, by the way. They knew about it. They knew about this guy. They didn't do anything to stop him. The left will marginalize the, the only people remaining in the nation who truly protect life and well-being of all people equally, and that's conservative pro-life Christians. But you know, I I, I think about uh, you know Jesus. Was, was did anybody ever ask Jesus about you know crises and tragedies and social injustices of the day? And the answer is yes. In Luke 13, I, he was asked about uh, a, a governmental injustice that was committed against the Jewish people, uh, killing Galileans and mingling their blood with their sacrifices. He was asked about a tower that fell. On, on a bunch of people and killed 18 people. And he said, how should we interpret that? We should say, we should self-reflect and say, repent, or you will all likewise perish. The point here is, until we return to a common understanding of what it means to be human under God, America will continue attacking itself through abortion, mass shootings, gender transition surgeries, physician-assisted suicide, eventually resulting in the complete destruction of the nation-state system, which is uh, the goal of Antifa and the, and the communists. So we've, we've got we've got to wake up and connect the dots. And I think that's that's what you're doing every day, Jim, and I appreciate you for it. Reverend James Harden, CEO of Compass Care. Check out the website, Compass Care Community. And we will talk to you again soon, sir. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Speaking Out America, brought to you by GetTheTea.com.